Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter, and you're watching the 3 Before. There are many ways that we can get together in fellowship. Beginning on Wednesday, June 7th at 6 p.m. in the gym at the Bear Campus, a new short-term small group will be meeting for the purpose of line dancing. The group will meet for four Wednesdays and will conclude on June 28th. Cost to join is $30. You don't need any prior experience, and it will be fun as well as great exercise. To learn more or to sign up, contact Gwen Montague at gmontague at ctcde.church. As you know, we have transitioned from using the term member to ministry partner because we believe that God has called us all to serve together in partnership to see all people experience his love. Our next opportunity to become a ministry partner at CTC will be on Sunday, June 11th from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Bear Campus. If you would like to become a partner with us, please contact the church office and let us know you're coming. Summer is almost here and school will be out soon. Our kids' ministry is getting ready for this year's Vacation Bible School. This year's schedule will be different from previous years. VBS will run nightly, June 26th to 30th from 5 to 7.30 p.m. The theme is Babylon, Daniel's Courage and Captivity. During this week, you will explore sights and smells in a Babylonian bazaar and find out that we are not much different from Daniel and his friends who kept their faith in a faithless culture. To sign up to serve or to register your child, go to ctcde.church events. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Good morning. Good morning, church. You glad to be here in the house of the Lord today? We welcome you if you're in the building. We welcome you if you're worshiping with us online. We invite you to stand today. We want to give thanks to God in song from our hearts about all that he's done in us and all that he is for us. Because you heal my heart and 
solid ground. Lord, we are not walking in the wrong direction anymore if we are walking with you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place today. God, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to move among us, to challenge us, to teach us, to change us in the moments that we have together today. God, we worship you above all others, and we thank you for your spirit that's with us. We give you these moments together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, come on and give the Lord praise this morning. God, we thank you for who you are. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, we welcome you to Christ the Cornerstone Church. And uh, thank you for worshiping with us today. Again, whether you're worshiping uh, in the building or whether you're worshiping online, we welcome our online audience this morning. And we thank you for worshiping with us. If you're new today, if you've never been here to Christ the Cornerstone, or maybe you've only been here a few times, when you leave the room today, uh, on the left-hand side of the mall out there in that area is our Connect Central. 
And uh, so we invite you to stop by there on your way out and pick up a free gift that we have for you. Uh, You can meet some folks from our church, have some conversation with them, get to know some folks a little bit, and find out about the ministries that we have going on here at CTC and all the ways that you can get involved in serving. We talk a lot about loving, serving, and engaging. And serving is a very important part of living our Christian life. And if you're not currently involved in serving in some area, we welcome you. Uh, We have all kinds of opportunities for people to serve. Uh, At your seat where you are is, uh, whether you're at a table or a chair, is a Connect card that we ask you to fill out each week. Uh, Again, if you're here worshiping with us in-house, it's right there at your table. Uh, Online, there's an online Connect card that you can fill out. Just let us know you're here and, and who's worshiping with you. Uh, just so that we can uh, just know, know that you're around. And, and uh, you can also let us know about prayer requests or praise reports that you have. Uh, if you need to communicate something along those lines with us, uh, you can do that on your Connect card. And we get together and pray for those needs uh, at different times throughout the week. Your monthly bulletin is also on your table. You can feel free to take that. Uh, again, on one side, you can take notes on the sermon. And the other side is uh, some information about upcoming events that we have. So take a look at that, and uh, uh, as we continue to worship today, we just uh, pray God's blessing and His presence will just fill this place today, Pastor Roger. And a good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see all of you here this morning. I'm going to hit one more time what Pastor Bill said about loving, serving, and engaging, and I'm going to I'm going to hit the the serving word uh, one more time. And on your table. Uh, is this card that Bill just mentioned. It's got on one side a place for you to take notes for the, during the message. But on the other side, it says Father's Day Car Show, which is next week. And there's, there are two codes that you can scan with your phone. One is to sign, register your car, cause to show your car. The other one is to serve. Now, why do we do a car show? <laughs> Not a rhetorical question. We do a car show here not because we like cars so much, but because we like people. And we want, to, uh, we want to provide an opportunity to get as many people on our campus as we can so that you, as members of this congregation, have an opportunity to meet new people and say to them, hey, we're so glad you're here, to make them feel welcomed so that they can experience the life-changing love of Jesus. That's why we have a car show. And, and, and it's wonderful that we do it on, when I, when I talk to other pastors and I, I say, well, we have a car show, we do it on Sunday during worship, they say, you do what? You have a car show? What a great idea. You're getting people that you come in and worship. So we need you, one, come and worship. We need you to come to the car show. We need you to, if, if you would scan this and you can take a couple hours to help serve at the car show, there are still some spots open where we need people who can serve. This is a great opportunity for us to use our skills, use our talents, use our passions in order that others may experience the life-changing love of Jesus. It just builds friendships, and through those friendships, we share our faith with others. That's the way the Christian faith has always worked uh, since the time of Jesus, so I encourage you to do that. Uh, We want to uh, remind ourselves of being generous and, and trusting that in God for all of our resources, whether it's um, our house, our car, uh, our swimming pool in the backyard. It's yours, God, and we give you thanks for it. And God wants us to be generous with all of these things. So we have these scriptures that we read every week that kind of 
uh, inspire us and teach us what the Bible says about being generous. So let's read this out loud together. Would you join me? Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And there's another part. Let's click the thing. Go on to the next part of the verse, I thought. Maybe not. Okay. Oh, wait. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. It switched and I didn't even notice it because I was talking. Anyway, let's continue worshiping God this morning. I mean, I invite you to stand as, as we return to worshiping and uh, let me offer this prayer. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your peace, for your guidance, for your love that you give to us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and giving yourself so that we can know the freedom of our sins being forgiven. So that we can know the hope of everlasting life. So that we can have peace and reconciliation in, in our relationships, not just with you, but with our friends, with our neighbors, with our spouses, with our families. You change our lives. And we're here to worship you because of that. So Holy Spirit, come. Be present with us as we, as we sing, as we think, as we hear your word this morning. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and rest on us. Fill this place and fill our hearts as we worship you. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit come move over us. Give it up. 
welcome you today. In that chorus, we sing a couple of different thoughts that are maybe a little bit opposed to one another. The first part of the chorus, come down, spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound when you fill the room. Now, it's not all about feeling because we walk by faith and not by sight, right? The second part of that is you're here and I know you're moving. I'm here, and I know you will fill me. Now, that says it doesn't matter whether I feel it or not. Because the Holy Spirit was promised to us in the book of Acts. Chapter 1, it says, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will have boldness to be my witnesses. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one accord in one place. 
And we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, to the beginning of creation. And the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the waters. And that same Holy Spirit that was there at creation, that was there when Jesus was raised from the dead, that was there on the day, He is here with us today, moving among us. And so when we allow Him to fill us in faith, it doesn't always follow that we have the feeling. But when we give ourselves to Him and allow Him to move in us and give Him room and space to do that, it just fills our hearts to overflowing. The end of our series, our last series, Raised to Live, that we ended last week, Pastor Roger was talking from Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 specifically, where it talks about speaking to one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we sing songs here that are pulled right from the book of Psalms. We sing hymns, which... And he talked a little bit about traditional hymns, and we have modern hymns, and the song that we're going to worship the Lord together with in a moment is what I would call a modern hymn. It teaches us theology about everything that's happened from creation up to this point. Because it talks to us about Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is above all, and He is in all. And God, we just thank You. We thank You, Lord, for Your Holy Spirit here. And we worship you.
till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lift the flame, now this in this place to move among us today. To lay down everything that we carry. Everything we think we need. Place it at your feet. This is my surrender. 
Jesus. God, we surrender to you today.
just get the sense that we need to take a moment in this presence of the Lord and just let the Spirit move. We just sang, I will make room for you. So can we just do that for a moment? You can worship the Lord. As Pastor talked last week about spiritual songs, a song from your heart, just giving worship to the Lord. But just allow Him to move for a moment. feel the Holy Spirit is saying this to someone today. Maybe you're in the room, maybe you're worshiping online, but you've come here today and you have tried everything. You have a situation or a number of situations in your life and you have tried everything that you think is logical, that you think is methodical, that you think would work. Giving God an opportunity to do something in your life at your at your, and, and I do this myself sometimes. At, at God, let me tell you how you should handle this. And you've come to this room this morning or you're watching us online maybe today or maybe later on. And you're at the place where you say, God, I've tried everything. There's nothing left to do. And I am desperate for you. So when we sang a moment ago, shake up the ground of all my tradition. There are a lot of ways we could think about that word tradition. Let me tell you what one of my traditions is. When something bad happens or a difficult situation comes in my life, my immediate jump, if, you know, if you've heard me say this before, my immediate jump is to the worst case scenario. That way I'm just prepared for it to happen. Instead of walking by faith and not by sight, and the reason I feel like I can make this jump is because hopefully I'm not the only one in that boat but maybe there's somebody here or, again, worshiping online with us that you're saying, God, I have tried everything I know to do. And so today, this is where I lay it down. This is where I lay it down. At the very end, Carolyn's saying, this is here is where I live. You are all I'm chasing There are so many things we could chase and so many things we do chase. But God wants us to chase Him and He will provide the answer in His time. And sometimes that's the most difficult thing about it for us because God's timing is not necessarily our timing. Holy Spirit, I pray that You would continue to move in this place. And God, whoever it is, maybe if it's just me, today that needed to hear that word whoever it is that needed to hear that word today here is where I lay it you are all I'm chasing now God this is my surrender God we pray for Matt as he comes to bring the word this morning we pray that your anointing would rest on him and flow through him as he opens the word to us today God we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through him to us that we would respond appropriately. God, we bless your name today. And we thank you for all you do.
We give praise and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Aiden. And congratulations on your graduation. Look forward to that. That's very good. We're going to be celebrating our graduates. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be celebrating our graduates. It's always an excellent time. Well, I want to introduce you to, to uh, Reverend Dr. Matt Ayers. Uh, he's a longtime friend of Christ the Cornerstone here. We've supported him in his ministry. I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what, what he's uh, been doing and our relationship with him. Um, but uh, let's, let's take a moment and again pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon him. Matt, Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for Matthew. We ask you to be this morning with his family. Uh, in Mississippi. Bless them this morning. Give them everything that they need and lift them up and encourage them uh, as they are separated from one another today. God, we thank you for the messenger that you have sent to us this morning. Open our ears with your Holy Spirit that we may hear you and send your message through him to us that you want for us today. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning. It is so good to be back with you all. It's been a little bit. It's been a while. And many people are asking, are you here by yourself? Is your family with you? And I am here alone. I have Jesus and the Holy Spirit with me, of course. Uh, But the family has grown quite a bit. When you all first met us in 2007, it was just Stacy and I going to Haiti. We came back to Haiti three years ago to serve at Wesley Biblical Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. And now we have five of our own biological children and two foster girls staying with us at the moment. So that's a lot of flights to pay for to get to Philadelphia from Jackson. And and so, as we know, ministers of the Word of God, uh, we do live on the bread of God, but we also have to make ends meet. So when I looked at that flight bill for nine people to get up here, I thought, you know, maybe I better just go. And, but they do send their warmest greetings. We hope to come up either this fall or next summer to do the long 1,100-mile drive. So they do send their greetings to you. Um, I do want to mention really quickly, I mentioned our, our foster kids. Um, what was interesting is that we didn't plan on, you know, going out and finding foster kids. We felt like that the Holy Spirit kind of gave them to us at a time that we had not anticipated. One of the wonderful things that Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit is like the wind, he blows where he wishes. And what that means is he's unpredictable. He will do things that we don't often calculate for or plan for. Have you experienced that in your life? Um, What good could come from Nazareth? Really, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do? The Holy Spirit wants to give us two foster girls after we just had our fifth baby. We're going to have to move houses and all these things and... And, um, but, you know, the same week that our foster girls came to us was the same week that Wade versus Roe was overturned. And I, I kind of had this epiphany moment where I thought, you know, we should have been doing this sooner as a church. And I want to encourage you as a church, consider fostering kids. It's the job of the church to take care of those who don't have someone to take care of. And it is our job, it is our responsibility of the church. It's the responsibility of the church to take care of uh, the orphans and the widows. So go and get licensed to be foster parents. It doesn't mean that you're signing up to get a kid, but I encourage you to do that. What a blessing it has been. So this week, actually today, is, does anyone know, are you familiar with the liturgical calendar here at Christ the Cornerstone that, you know, Christians in the world follow this calendar, which is when we arrive at Easter every year, and then last week was Pentecost. Well, every year, the week after Pentecost is what we call 
Does anyone know? Shout it out. I know Roger knows, but does anyone know what today is? Trinity Sunday. Excellent. Who said that? Raise your hand. All right. You're going to get a free book on your way out. My Holy Spirit book in the lobby. Make sure you come and get one of those. It is Trinity Sunday. And as one who's training pastors in Mississippi and dealing with pastors and the woes of pastoral leadership, this is one of the most dreaded Sundays of the year to preach because the Trinity is a very difficult topic to preach on, which is interesting because Trinity is who God is. It's central to our belief as Christians. It's what makes us distinct or set apart from so many of the other world religions and even ideologies of the world is our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so this is not the most fun Sunday for a lot of preachers to try to wrestle with how do I preach on the Trinity because it's so mind-boggling. But you know what? I love that we serve a God who is mind-boggling. So I understand in this area of the country there's quite a few Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that right? Okay. So in Mississippi we don't have that many. But you may know about Jehovah's Witnesses is that they reject or deny the doctrine of the Trinity. They don't believe in the Trinity. And so oftentimes, when a Jehovah's Witness comes to my house, I say oftentimes, on the rare occasion when a Jehovah's Witness comes to my house, I think there's like a mark on my house on their map. Don't go here. (laughs) You need a mark on your house too. That's who we're called to be as Christians in the world. The devil should have a map, right? And your house should have a mark on it saying, stay away from this one, they're close to Jesus. Right? Right? They can't come to my house, and I know what they believe. I recognize the literature, and there was, they're always travel in twos. And this particular couple was an older lady and a, and a young girl, probably 12, 13 years old. And I immediately engaged the little girl. Hi, honey, how are you? What's your name? She said, my name is Trinity. I thought, yes. <laughs> I looked up at, at Granny. I think it was her grandmother. I said, and knowing what they believe, I was kind of indicating to her that I knew what they believed. Her name's Trinity. And she goes, I know. I know. I said, let's talk about this Trinity thing. Why do you reject or deny the Trinity? And the basis on which they reject and deny the Trinity, they say that it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. you, you You can't understand it. Well, here's the beauty of our faith. I don't want to worship a God that I can fully understand. A God that I can wrap my mind around is smaller than my mind. Does that make sense? Do you see the imagery there? He's bigger. He overflows the banks of human reason. He is a divine mystery. We have the sacraments here in front of us. We're going to have communion today. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Last night we did communion and we had a baptism the two sacraments of the church, the two mysteries of the church. There's something mysterious and deeply sacred and spiritual at a metaphysical level that we don't fully understand what's going on here because we understand that God is the eternal, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, transcendent creator who has no beginning and no end. And we are finite containers We have a beginning as human beings, created beings. We are not eternally preexistent like Jesus is. And our finite container, the human mind, the most advanced thing in creation, cannot fully comprehend God. 
I love the Trinity, and I love that I can't fully understand their Trinity. And the fact that God is eternal and large and big and that we can't fully understand Him is why mystery or sacredness, sacrament, is at the heart of every Christian doctrine. What, what does this mean? It means that we believe in some goofy stuff. Right? You're going to eat the, the body of Jesus and drink His blood and you believe in a virgin birth and a bodily resurrection. You believe that, God, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. How do you make sense of this as good, strong, Western, American, advanced, modern thinking people? How could you possibly believe this stuff? Jesus says to Peter, Who do they say that I am? And he tells them, and it's all wrong answers. And everyone who's, just like in that day, everyone who's far from Jesus has a wrong answer to that question. And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He says, I tell you, it is not flesh and blood that has revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You know why I believe in the, sac- the sacred mysteries of Christianity, why I believe in a literal virgin birth, why I believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man, why I believe that one day this, the sky will be rolled back as a scroll and Jesus will return, why I believe in a literal bodily resurrection that will come at the end. I don't believe it because it makes sense. I don't believe it because there's a massive coherence to the whole system. I believe it because the Holy Spirit has animated my faith in such. It is not our faith. I heard a preacher once say, you know, it's normal to doubt as a Christian. And I thought, is it though? And you know why I quite, and I know what he's getting at. All of us have struggled with doubt in our faith as Christians. But here's why I question if that should be normal. Because our faith is of a divine origin. Our faith in Jesus is Holy Spirit faith in Jesus. It's not Matt Ayer's faith. And the Holy Spirit's faith in Jesus doesn't doubt. It is a full, complete, perfect faith that is robust and sound and unwavering and disimpassioned. No matter what happens, it is firm. The anchor holds when it comes to the Holy Spirit's faith. Faith is a gift that comes from outside of us. It's not something that we conjure up from within. You think the Holy Spirit's going to give you a faith that doubts? Doubt means that, yes, you have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit doesn't yet have all of you. That's where doubt comes from. It's not a doubting faith. My point here is, just as Pastor Bill mentioned, we walk by faith, not by sight. So when we say Trinity, oh, how could you possibly believe that? Because the Holy Spirit witnesses in my heart that it is true. Just as the Holy Spirit witnesses in my heart that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And as I see him on that cross, he took my place for my... How does that make sense? 2,000 years ago, a guy took your place? Yes. Because everything was created by him, in him, through him. And we are all bound together. And he can represent me because we're mutually indwelling. By faith. We are people of Faith, which is why when the world continues on shifting in the constantly shifting sands of secular humanist ideologies, we stayed anchored in faith in Jesus as revealed through history and preserved in the New Testament witness. Are you with me this morning? So Trinity, mystery. 
Many people will point out, Jehovah's Witnesses included, but others, the word Trinity doesn't even appear in Scripture. Did you know that? Look through all the Bible. You'll never find the word Trinity. You're saying it's one of the most important, it's the most important aspect of who God has revealed himself to be in history? And the answer is yes. How did we get there? Well, we don't have time to talk about the historical development of how the church arrived at what we call this doctrine of the Trinity. And let me point out that doctrine is not the invention, a human invention of things. You'll say, well, church tradition, right? And I know that in this area, Roman Catholicism is pretty prevalent. In Mississippi, you're hard-pressed to find a Roman Catholic. If I'm standing here, I'm going to try this. How many people here come from a Roman Catholic background or have family members that are Roman Catholic? Sorry, it's hard to see if you see me squinting. Okay, not too many. In South Jersey, it's like half the congregation, right? And where I'm from in Pensgrove, my buddy Brian and David here, like almost everyone in our United Methodist Church come from a Roman Catholic background. They say, oh, well, it's the invention, it's human invention. Of, of, and some of that's true. But let's separate that out for a moment and say that the development of the doctrine of the Trinity is not human invention. It's an attempt of the church to preserve the New Testament witness in what it's teaching. It's building a fence around what's been revealed in Scripture about Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. So without going into the historical narrative, I want to present to you the three ideas that are essential for understanding the Trinity. The three ideas. I'm going to give you three Greek words. And I don't usually do the Greek word thing, but I think, um, you know, as a person in higher education, we do master's degrees and doctorates, and we do have undergraduate training at Wesley Biblical Seminary. I oftentimes hear people say, my mind just doesn't go to that level. My elevator doesn't go up that high. I really, you can't talk about Greek and Hebrew with me. It's just, it's not in my skill sets. And you know what my response to that is? It's not in mine either. The Holy Spirit helps us. <laughs> Don't limit the Holy Spirit. He can help you remember and understand the importance. Jesus says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send you one who will lead you in all truth. Who will remind you of all the things that I taught you. Three Greek words are at the heart of understanding what the Trinity is, who the Trinity is. You ready for the first one? The first one, and and I had slides for this, but I was too late in handing them in, so I'm going to say it and then spell it for you. Homoousion, H-O-M-O, another O, U-S-I-O-N, homoousion. Now, another free book. (laughs) Does anyone know, Roger, you're not allowed to answer, because he's ordained clergy, who also has a doctorate. What does this word mean? Does anyone know? You know homo means same, right? What about usion? It means essence or nature. Same nature. The church, animated by the Holy Spirit, is worshiping Jesus. We find it in the New Testament. After Jesus pulls Peter into the boat, after he starts to sink, they, they see Jesus helping Peter walk on water. They get into the boat and then the disciples, this is Matthew 14, 33, they bow and they worship Jesus. The book of Revelation, Christians are constantly worshiping Jesus. Thomas, when he touched Jesus' side, John 20, 28, he says, my Lord and my God. So how do Jesus, he's God. But how is that? The Old Testament says that, that God is one. So is he the same nature as God the Father? Or is he of a similar nature as God the Father? Or is he of a different nature as God the Father? Well, the church worked all this out under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
to conclude that Jesus is of the same divine nature as God the Father. Because if he's a similar nature and we're worshiping him, that results in polytheism, two different kinds of gods, which the Bible prohibits, right? And if he's of a different nature than God the Father and we're worshiping him, that results in uh, idolatry. You're worshiping something other than that which is divine. Therefore, Jesus must be of a divine nature. Homo usian. Now, let me pause here. And you're going, all this abstract stuff. We're talking Greek terms, homo usian, similar essence, different essence or nature. Same. What, what difference does all this make? It makes a huge difference. And let me tell you why. For too long... The Protestant church, and that's us, by the way, as good Methodists, and not just the Protestant church, but other branches of the church, has understood salvation, what it means to be saved, to be simply the forgiveness of our sins. If I went around and polled all of you this morning and said, what does it mean to be saved? I can almost guarantee that the most common answer would be, I was once a guilty sinner. Jesus died in my place. Penal substitution, theory of atonement. He took on the penalty of my sin. And now I am fully innocent. My sins have been washed away. And so now when I die, I will go to heaven. And that's, it's not a bad answer. It's just an incomplete answer. And one could say, well, aren't we playing semantics? Incomplete answers are bad answers. <laughs> but there's more to the picture here. Yes! I affirm, yes, what it means to be saved is the forgiveness of our sins. The slate being wiped clean. Jesus taking on the penalty of our sin. Yes, going into eternal bliss with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the end. That, that time beginning at, at the point of death without getting into that discussion. I affirm all those things. But there's another thing that I would argue is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And it's not just the forgiveness of sins, but rather the radical transformation of our very nature. And it is because Jesus, being the same nature as the Father, divinity, divine, married human flesh, fully God, fully man, And he brought together in himself the divine nature and the human nature. And when we partake in this communion, and when we are filled with the Holy Spirit at our spirit baptism, we are unified with Jesus. Our sins are wiped clean, and now we enter into this divine human relationship that is a radical shift in who we are. What, what does this mean? It means not just that our sins are forgiven and the rest of the Christian life is trying to manage our temptations and trying as hard as we can not to sin and trying to suppress carnal desires. Romans chapter 7. That's not the normal Christian life. That's forgiveness without regeneration and sanctification, to put it in theological terms. The normal Christian life and being united with Christ, these cups, this 
juice or wine, whatever tradition you're a part of, symbolic of the lifeblood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit coursing through our veins, means that we're not just forgiven of our sins, but there's a transformation in our very desires and passions. Let me tell a story to finish, and we're not going to get to the the second and third terms. I trust divine providence that what's been said is what God wanted to be said. I'm going to do a shameful plug here. My book in the lobby has the rest of the terms in it. Love for you to have that. I was in Haiti. And as I conclude the story, it'll take two minutes. Roger's going to come up. We're going to have communion. And I was ministering, going door to door, doing evangelism with witch doctors. And by the way, we have something to learn from the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? They're adamant in their evangelism. Like, we've got to share our faith. It's, even if you don't want to, it's a command, and God can help you want to do it. He can light a fire. He can ignite. The Holy Spirit lit the flame, the song that we sang. Is your flame lit this morning? And that doesn't just mean, like, a feeling. It means, no, He's enabling you to do something for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I'm talking about spiritual gifts. So I'm going around doing evangelism with witch doctors. And I said, all right, become a Christian. You can be really direct in Haiti. You know, faith in the United States is is very private, but in Haiti it's not. You can talk openly about faith. And he says, I said, do you know what the gospel is? Oh, I know what it is. In fact, I went to seminary. My dad was a pastor. So look, just looking at someone's heritage or their family tree does not guarantee that they're a Christian, by the way. And when I say there, I mean your. On the final day, it's you and Jesus. Not you and Grandpa, not you and Granny, not you, not not Jesus and Granny or Grant. You and Jesus, not you and your ethnic group, not you and your socioeconomic status, not you and your gender. It's you and Jesus. When it comes time to determining, are you a part of me or not? God the Father is going to ask Jesus one question: Do you know this one? And he's either going to say yep, or he's going to say no, or he's going to say you cast out demons in my name, but I know you not. You stand alone. All right. Yeah, I know the gospel. He articulated the gospel for me. And I said, great. Well, why don't he says, well, I don't want to become a Christian because I have to give up all the things I love. (laughs) Like what? I love gambling. I like the ladies. I love drinking my whiskey. and I love my cigarettes. I love the freedom that I have not being a part of the Jesus people. That's a false freedom, by the way. Those are all addictions. That's a lie. And I said, friend, not brother, but friend, you've misunderstood the gospel. He said, what do you mean? I can become a Christian and keep doing those things and just keep asking for forgiveness? I said, that's not what I mean. Jesus, or Paul treats that question. Is there all this grace abound so that we can continue sinning? And no, 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 by no means. Here's what you've misunderstood. I said, when you become a Christian, yes, you're right, your sins will be forgiven. But all those passions and desires that you just talked about, He will sanctify and transform. And you will have new holy passions and desires. The women that you chase after will become this book. Do you have a hunger for the Word of God that the Holy Spirit animates in you? How do you know someone's healthy? They're hungry. If you ain't hungry, you ain't healthy. Are you hungry for the Word? If you're not, something's wrong. I almost said y'all. That's Mrs. Something's wrong, y'all. Mississippi coming back on me. And your desire for whiskey and for partying and for dancing. 
will be transformed into a desire for worship of the true God. The fact that Jesus is the same nature as the Father means that He can bring into Himself our fallenness and radically transform it. Are you hearing me this morning? And some of us this morning, here's my call and challenge to you as Roger comes forward. Some of you may need a fill-up. Or the Holy Spirit may be touching on an area of your life where He wants to take you deeper. And there's some sort of iniquity or transgression or twistedness that He wants to sort out that's preventing the power of God and the love of God from flowing through you freely. When you join with Jesus in this meal, you are joined together with the divine, which means the transformation of our passions and desires. The radical transformation of our nature. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for joining us with the Father and with the Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for putting in us your holy love for one another and for a broken and hurting world. Jesus, when you say, love your enemies, we can't do that. But the Holy Spirit can help us do that. And so we pray as we come together and commune at this table that your presence would be here and that your lifeblood would flow through us and that we'd be unified not only with you, but also with one another, that we will go out from this place as the body of Christ, bringing healing and refreshment to the world around us, not just as a bunch of forgiven people trying to manage our sin, but a bunch of people who have been truly redeemed and filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, man. God bless. Thank you. Let's talk about that mystery. Yes. There's so much that Matt didn't say. Why? Because he's talking about the Trinity. He's talking about the creator of all things, the creator of the universe, the one who made you, the one who made Lawanda, the one who made Paul, the one who made Matt, the one who made... How in the world can we describe with all... Any, our, our words are human concepts trying to describe this divine thing. We can't fit it all in there. It's a mystery. And so we enter into this experience that Jesus commanded us to do. And so I invite us to remind ourselves of that which we believe. And we have we, we say the Apostles' Creed together. And so as we say as I as we say the Apostles' Creed this morning, listen for our statements that talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is it that we believe? These are words that are very familiar to us. So I invite us to stand as we, as we uh, remember the, this ancient text that Christians have proclaimed for a long time. And then I'll lead us in a prayer as we prepare to receive this gift that Jesus gives to us. Let's affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This is what we believe. We remember that night when Jesus was betrayed, that night that he took bread. gave thanks to God and he broke the bread. He said, when you eat this, remember that I have given my life for you. My body was broken so that you may live. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins, but also, as Matt has reminded us, for the new life that He gives to us. The old is gone. The new has come. We give you thanks, Jesus. And in this moment, in every denomination, and, and the liturgies are different, slightly. But there's always a moment at this time when, there, when there's a calling upon the Holy Spirit to come and take these, and just as Jesus was divine, married, as Matt said, with humanity, we, 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 we say, Holy Spirit, come and bless this gift that, that we've gathered together from this earth Come and marry your divinity with this so that as we receive it, it is more than just bread. It is more than just juice. It is your essence, <laughs> homoousion, becoming part of my essence. So that's what we do. And that's what we invite you to do this morning, to come. And say, Jesus, I want you in my life. And not just to be a part of it, but to be in me. Because when I, when, I, when I eat a steak, I don't want it to nurture my toe. I want it to nurture my whole body. <laughs> so when we receive Christ, you know, we don't say, well, just nurture my family, just nurture my finances, just nurture... No, 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 Jesus, nurture my entire body, my entire being. So we come and we receive this. This morning, uh, well, let's, let's continue to pray. Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these gifts of bread and juice from the vine, that they may be for us the body of Christ. Still tastes like juice, still tastes like bread, but we need your essence in our lives. We need your being to transform us into those whom you created us to be. So come Holy Spirit in these moments. Let's take a moment and just reflect on our own lives because this also is an opportunity for us to make a confession. So I'm going to give you a moment to, to ask God silently, Lord, is there anything in my life that I need to confess to you that you need to 
that you that you want to get out of my life? Is there a sin that that I have hidden, thinking that you didn't know about it, but you already do? And then, after that moment of silence, I invite us to say the Lord's Prayer, common words together. Let's pray. We are in the presence of the holy God who created us. In the presence of a holy God, there can be no evil. So we bring our confession to you, God, and we admit that we are not who you created us to be because of our sinfulness. But we hear Jesus say at the table as we meet, I forgive you. I'll go live the life that I have for you. Let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray together. Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I'm going to ask those who are going to assist in serving if you would come forward now and to prepare to receive as I give uh, the rest of us some instructions. Uh, we're going to, there are going to be four places where you can receive the sacrament. I encourage you as you come forward, um, hold your hands in a receptive position like this so that the server can break a piece of the bread off, put the bread in your hands. Then you can take your piece of bread, dip a corner of your bread into the juice, and then you may eat the bread dipped in the juice together. I encourage you, if you want to kneel at the platform after you receive, just to offer some prayer, or if you can just stand here or uh, return to your seats, uh, whatever you want to do. We do have uh, prepackaged uh, uh, communion. If, if you're concerned about illness and, and spreading germs, you may have one of these. These will be here on the table. If you need gluten-free also, we have gluten-free here that is prepackaged, so you can receive that. Just ask uh, come to the center if you need either of these. Come to the center, and the server over here will uh, give those to you. You want some clean hands? I want you to have clean hands. <laughs> uh, so there will be. Uh, you can come down each aisle. There will be a server over here to my right, your left, at the stairs there. There will be a server here on the other side, uh, and all that will be gluten bread. And there will be servers here on either side of the table. So let's just give us a moment, and then we'll. Be ready to serve. Before it's done. 
Father, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Now, God, as we go forth from this place, you don't stay here in this room because we have received you. And so you go with us. You change us. You lead us. You follow us. You strengthen us. You give us wisdom as we encounter whomever so that we can respond to them with your truth and with your love. So now, Holy Spirit, strengthen us to do just that as we are your body, the body of Christ in this world. We give you thanks. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you all. Great to see you today. God bless you. Uh, It's going to be time for you to continue to worship if you you want to uh, stay here in prayer. Uh, uh, The team will be here, and there are people at the prayer station willing to pray with you. Have a great day.